Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Whether it's with someone close to you or someone you just met, sharing your faith can be difficult, but our God knows the challenge and His Word contains wisdom for how to meet that challenge. In our current series, Living an Intentional Life, we're learning about the five eyes of evangelism. Identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. These five steps will help you to build a biblical strategy for bringing the gospel to others and watching for God to multiply your efforts. We're glad you're listening and we hope this series will renew your commitment to spread the good news. Now let's listen in. Uh, well, good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Man, what a great morning already. Worship and baptism and just celebrating all that God's doing and I'm so excited to be here and be together worshiping our great God. I just returned from being two weeks in Israel. We take a biblical study tour with our church every couple of years. We'll go back in 24, and it's incredible, you know, and just see the Bible come to life. You're walking where Jesus walked and all these stories we've studied. You're just seeing it, all the archaeology and the historical geography. And it's like, wow, this is incredible. So we flew into Tel Aviv, and then we went to the Valley of Allah, where David fought Goliath. I picked up a stone. I think this is the actual stone that David dropped, there's a little blood now. Just kidding, there's a lot of rocks everywhere. But, but I just put this and I held this because I just think about whatever giants are in our lives, you know, our God is greater, right? I mean, our God is stronger. And to think about that, and from there we went down to the wilderness and the wilderness of Zen and we walked kind of where the children of Israel would have walked, you know, with Moses coming out of being delivered in Egypt. And we were there and just talking about the first five books of the Old Testament. Then we headed up to the Dead Sea and we were at the Dead Sea where everything floats, you know, it's pretty incredible there. And, and then went to En Gedi where David wrote so many of the Psalms and went to Qumran, you know, where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And, and so it was just awesome being there. From there, we go up to Galilee and we're in Galilee where Jesus called his first disciples, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men and, and just walked in these cities where, man, that Jesus would have been. Uh, there was also a recent archaeological discovery there, the, the last lost city of the Galilee, Bethsaida, and they found it recently. This archaeologist who's been there, like, he's 70 years old. It's like his crowning achievement. The Discovery Channel is coming in two days to do a five-day documentary, so we beat the Discovery Channel. We were excited about that. And talked to the archaeologist. He was so excited. He's like, ah, oh, this is the greatest fight ever. We're like, yeah. Everything you see just supports what God's doing. It supports God's Word. And we celebrated baptism in the Sea of Galilee, which is a Wide spot of the Jordan. We had 25 people baptized. I mean, it was just a celebration of it. Dying your way of life and walking this new life. And all these people from other countries are surrounding up there, just cheering, you know. And it was amazing. And then went into Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, you know, Via Della Rosa and going to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. We went to the garden tomb and we saw, you know, maybe a possibility where Jesus was laid. And we went inside and he's not there. I just got to tell you, okay? So the tomb is empty. Praise God. Jesus is alive, and we serve a risen Savior. Our Jesus is not dead. He has conquered death and made a way for you and me to have eternal life. So it's incredible. I hope you get to go one day, but man, just to see God's word and God's truth and God's plan for you and for me. Also, welcome back to our series. We are in this great series called Living an Intentional Life. And I love this series because what can happen so many times in our lives is we just start to drift. Right, we get so busy, we're caught up in everything going on, you know, our cell phone's always buzzing, social media is always wooing us, you know, our schedule is always zooming, and we, we don't ever take time to go, am I really doing what God's called me to do? 
Am I being intentional or am I just caught up in what everybody else is doing, what caught up in the world and whatever thing is happening out there, or am I really living for the glory of God? And so it's so easy for us to drift, and we said we don't want to do that. We don't want to confuse activity with accomplishment. You know, we can be really active, we can be really busy, but are we accomplishing anything, you know? I mean, are we just that little round the wheel, right? The little hamster just going, but are we really doing what God has called us to do? Because we can spend our time climbing the ladder and then realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. We go, oh, wait a minute. We wake up a year from now or five years or 10 years and go, how did I get here? I want to be a godly man or a godly woman. I want to be a, a man who's, you know, dedicated to the Lord. I want to have a godly marriage and godly family. And I want to make a difference that impacts generations, which is what God wants for each one of us to fulfill your purpose in this day, in this time. And we said there's a difference between the temporary and the eternal. We get caught up in the temporary, but the eternal, there's only three things that last, God, God's word, and people. And so we're we investing in those things that last. And so we've talked about these five eyes. If you look at living an intentional life, there's five eyes, right? The first, identify. Identify that mission that God's given you. Identify that call. Why did God put you in the family you're in? Why did God put you at this time in history? Identify that mission. And there's people around you need to hear about Jesus. And man, identify what God's called you to do. Second, Pastor Chase did a great job talking about invest. Invest in the things that are going to last, not just the temporary. Last week, Pastor Jacob did a great job talking about intercede, that third eye, right? Begin praying. God, reveal your will to me. God, reveal if I'm drifting off course. And then, God, I'm going to start praying for people around me, how I can bless them and bless the people, encourage people around me. And then today, we'll get this fourth eye, inform. Inform. Speak about things that matter. Speak about things that last. And let's Make a difference together. Hey, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, so fifth book, Old Testament. Go back there if you can. If you're online, you want to pull up the Rolling Hills app, we'll have the scripture there for you. Uh, but just love for you to turn with me. Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy chapter six, it's there. Now, before we dive into this, let me kind of back us up. Let's go back to Genesis, right? Genesis chapter one. And it says, in the beginning, God. Don't you love that? Just stop right there, right? In the beginning, right, is God. God has always been. He has always will be. He is forever and ever. So in the beginning, God, and what did God do? He began to create. He created the world. He created the animals. He created all that there is, and he created man. And why did God create man? God created man for relationship with him. So if you ever wonder why you were created, why you're here, you were created for a relationship with God. So God creates Adam and Eve, puts them in this beautiful garden, and everything's great. I mean, they're in right relationship with God. They're in right relationship with one another. And God says, all of this is for you. You know, all these fruit trees, all this stuff. I mean, all these animals are all for you, except this one tree. Just stay away. And what did they do? They went, that tree? You know, what do you do? Just like us. This is a sin. And all of a sudden, everything's good for two chapters. But then chapter three, they sin. They sin. And we've all sinned, right? And so we don't go, oh, well, I can't believe you guys did that. We go, oh, man, I know. I understand that. I make mistakes. I, I sin in my own life. And now you've got a holy God and sinful man. But here's the good news. God didn't give up on them, and God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't give up on you. Oh, no, he began to set into motion a plan to redeem mankind. And so he called out a people for himself. And he said, listen, I'm gonna reveal my character, my nature, who I am, and ultimately, I'm gonna bring the Messiah, the Savior of the world, my own son who will pay the price so 
that you and I can be reunited. You and I can be restored in the beauty of the good news. So let's go back there, Deuteronomy chapter 6, after he calls out this people for himself. It says, Abram, leave your country, your people, go to a land I will show you. I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. The Israelites, I'm going to reveal my nature and my will. And then he come to chapter 6, verse 4, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, for us, that's not kind of that big deal, but man, that was a big deal back then because there was a polytheistic, you know, societies all around. I mean, they had just come out of Egypt where they worshiped the sun god Ra and they worshiped the Nile god and they were praying to all these different gods. And he's like, no, 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 there's one true God. There's one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. God says that back there, right there. He says, love the Lord your God. You go, that's awesome, right? You know, this relationship, not just religion, relationship. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He says, guys, you be bold. You share who I am. You let the rest of the world know. You inform others about my character and my nature. And that call has come through the generations to us. Hey, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. So if you've got a uh, worship guide with you, if you're online and you want to pull up the Rolling Hills app, there's a place. But I want you to see this today. Everything starts with your relationship with God. Everything starts with your relationship with God. You know, so often, man, we're trying to fix the people around us. We're trying to fix our marriage. We're trying to fix our friends. You know, we've got drama that's happening. We, we try to do it ourselves. But if we would stop and go, wait a minute, let me start here. Let me start with this relationship. Everything starts with your relationship with God. That's at the heart. And so that's why he says, Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? <laughs> right there. Jesus comes along and goes, guys, get this. Understand this. Understand that God desires to have a personal relationship with his people. Now, that was radical because most of the gods, right, back then you got Baal, you got Asherah, all these, they don't care about people. You go into Greek mythology, you go to the Romans, right, and, and their gods, Zeus, Apollos, they could care less about people. I mean, people are, you know, they just are expendable. They're in the way. And all of a sudden, God goes, let me reveal who I am. Let me reveal my character. And that is a God who loves. That's a God who redeems. That's a God who restores. And he desires to have a relationship with us. Praise God. Love the Lord your God. It's personal. Not someone else's faith, but your faith. Love the Lord your God. Not just my parents' faith. And not my church's faith, not my country's faith, but, but love the Lord your God, this personal relationship with him. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing to the New Testament, which is covenant. So the Testament, a lot of people go, well, there's an Old Testament, New Testament. I mean, what, what's the difference? Well, the word literally means covenant. There's an old covenant and a new covenant. In the old covenant, right, we had, we had this sin and we were, you know, lost, right? You had the Jewish people, but then we were kind of outside. We were Gentiles, all of us. And all of a sudden, then God is setting it up to bring his son. And Jesus came to offer everyone a personal relationship with God. That's good news. Jesus came, right? 
And because of Jesus, now there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That God had a plan to restore and to redeem you and me in our brokenness, our hurt, our pain, and our sin. God made the move. God in his sovereignty, God in his grace came to us. So make a commitment to follow God. God's always been about this, this commitment to him, this relationship with him. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Are to be upon your hearts. Here's the thing. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. There's a difference between knowing about, I mean, a lot of people know about God. I think it's recent surveys, it's over 95% of people who say, yeah, there is a God or intelligent design. There's something out there, right? I mean, if people in the world go, there has to be God. I mean, you know, two rocks didn't just combine and hit, and all of a sudden I've got this brain and these eyes that function, and I guess those are the only two rocks that ever hit together. But, you know, it's like, wait a minute. How did all this happen? And you start to realize there's a God. There is a God who created you. There is a God who knit you together in your mother's womb. And when you begin to understand there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing who that God is and having this relationship with him. God's commands move from your head to your heart. And maybe today you've kind of had this head knowledge, right? You've been there and you've been like, okay, I got this in my head, but, but it's never taken this journey the 18 inches from your head to your heart. That's when it becomes personal. That's when you begin to live it out. That's when you go, okay, God's got a plan and purpose for me. It's not just about all these people who went before me. It's not just about everybody around me. God's inviting me into his story. God's redeeming and restoring me. And it moves from your head to your heart. It changes your life, the glory of God. So we commit to living an intentional life for the glory of God. That God, I want to know you. I want to grow in you. I want to pursue you. I want to be about you and not just the things of this world. I mean, you go back through history, right? I mean, we are a vapor. We are here today and gone tomorrow. But God is eternal and God lasts. And am I intentional in my life with growing in my relationship with God? Am I pursuing him? And as I grow then, what we begin to understand is that we have a responsibility to share God's truth with others. You see, God called out this people for himself so he could reveal his character, his nature, and then says, hey, you guys reveal that to others. You guys share that with others. From y'all bring the Messiah. So he told them, impress them on your children. Talk about when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That's intentional. <laughs> when we were in Israel, we went to the Western Wall, and you can see, you know, these Jewish people, and they come to the Western Wall, they, they're very praying. And, and when it says, you know, hey, bind them on your foreheads, they have what they call phylacteries. And so they literally take this leather strap and they put a little box on their head, and inside that little box when they pray is the Shema. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And they put that, then they bind it on their arms, right? They take this leather strap, they put it on their arms. This is like I talked about, tie them as symbols on your hands. And so when they pray, they're holding it there. They have the mezuzahs, right? Every house you go into, every hotel you go into, every place you go into, these mezuzahs on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And still today, you go by there, and inside there, the Shema, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, right there. 
And, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know, so many times in our lives, we get busy, and we, we kind of forget, but man, they say, I want to be reminded, I want to be reminded. You can see, here's the thing. God has always desired for his people to share their faith, to be public with that. Impress them on your children. Talk about it when you walk along the road. Put them on the door frames of your houses, you know? Now, today, we don't have to put a phylactery on our head, you know? And so some of you are like, that's great. That's, that's good, because it'd be weird at school, you know? Maybe <laughs> I'm like praying. But here's the thing. For us to understand that we can put Scripture before us. We can put Scripture up in our homes. We can put Scripture on our desk. You know, we can be intentional and say, hey, I want to pray. And then it also reminds us that my faith is something that I share, that I talk about this. I encourage people in this, that it's not something I compartmentalize and go, hey, here's my life, and I got a little sliver of God over here, and then I got a lot of work over here, I got family over here, I got dreams and desires, but, but God, here's your little, little narrow niche, and God's going, I don't want a little narrow niche, I want to be in every facet of your life. I want you to have joy and peace and hope, and I want you to share that. I want that to be radiate from you. I want people to see there's a difference in you. So he says, hey, sharing God's truth starts at home. Starts at home and extends to all areas of your life. Impress them on your children. You know, I, I get convicted so many times because even in our house, we're busy. We've got sports. You know, we've got school. And, and so a lot of times we end up, our conversations are around Hey, okay, what time is school? Do you have any homework? You know, how's your homework going? You know, what, what, what do we have to work on today? When, when's practice going to happen? And, and it, we have to be intentional to go, hold on. Let me talk about things that really matter. Let me talk about God's word. Let me have a conversation about things that are going to last. Let me, let me talk about character and integrity and how God wants you to live. You know, because I know there's drama, man. I, there's always drama, right? You know, in middle school and high school, let, let's, let's talk about those things. In elementary school, how am I preparing you to have a spiritual foundation and then it extends out. As we start talking about these things, we go, man, I love it. You know, I love sports, and it's great, and it's fun, but I'll talk about that all day, or I'll talk about, you know, all the things that are happening around me, or what the Netflix shows are, or whatever. But am I talking about things that are going to last? Am I being intentional there? And then we start to look around and go, there's people around me that don't have a clue. There's people around me that are looking for help, and they're looking for hope. And if they were to come to me, then what would I say? How would I respond? See, God's always called his people to share a story. Sometimes people go, well, you know, my faith is private. I'm like, well, that's not Christianity. Okay, it's just not. I mean, there's times you go up on the mountain and you can commune with God, it's great, but God wants us to be in the world. God wants us to share. God wants us to pray. God wants us to be bold. God wants us to love. God wants us to reach out. That's Christianity. And that's why Jesus gives this disciples, this great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them obey everything I've commanded you. And listen, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so when you and I join God in what he's doing, when you and I just say, okay, God, I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers, but God, if you can use me with my kids, my grandkids, God, use me, God, in my workplace. God, use me in my neighborhood. God, use me. God, here I am. And God, whatever you want to do, use me. Now, as Christ followers today, we're called to share two stories. Two stories. That's our call. You know, sometimes people will come up and they'll say, hey, you know, uh, I got a question about faith, or I got a question about, and you're like, um, let me go take you to my pastor. And that's great. That's awesome. But how cool it is like, hey, let me talk to you about this. 
let's have a conversation about this. And we share two stories. The first story is God's story. It's God's story, right? And God redeems, God restores. So we share God's story. That's what the Bible is, sharing God's story throughout history, people's lives being changed, being impacted for the glory of God. And the gospel is good news. Gospel literally means good news. It's God's story to share. So when you came in today, we prepared a little booklet. And I wanna just invite you to pull that out. If you're online, we've got a digital version of that. Uh, but we wanted to give you a tool. We wanted to put something in your hands, you know, because I know a lot of times, I mean, our kids have questions, our friends have questions. And, and so we just said, hey, let's put something together that we can give everybody. And this is really God's good news. And so I just kind of want to walk us through here. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, uh, you know, I can see something different in your life. Um, can you pray for me? You know, I'm, I'm really struggling in my faith, or I don't even have any faith. Uh, the other day, I, this guy called. He's out in Colorado, and he didn't know I was a pastor, you know. And so we were talking about things, and, and then he said, um, you know, I've really had a hard time lately. And I said, really? I said, well, you know what? I'll, I'll be praying for you. And he goes, who do you pray to? And I said, well, let me tell you. And I had the chance right there on the phone to talk to this guy I don't even know, you know, but had a chance to talk to him about the good news. So here it is. And this happens. Maybe you have this in your car. Maybe you have this at home. If you need one, raise your hand. We've got some people who will bring one to you. You can also just, you know, there's a QR code in the back if you want to scan it. But here's the thing. Here's the truth. God created us to enjoy a personal relationship with him and a purposeful life. And what you begin to understand is it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. And so if you're sitting down with your kids, you're sitting down with your nephew, you're sitting down with your niece, you're sitting down with somebody, you go, hey, let me just tell you, God created you for a relationship with him. That's why you were created. But why is it that many people do not have a close relationship with God? And then you go, well, here's this thing called sin. Sin. We, we've all sinned. And it separates us from God. You got a holy God, you got sinful man, it goes back to what happened here in the Bible, but every one of us is living that out. And so you just say, hey, here's the thing. What is sin? Well, disobeying God. Who sinned? All of us. What happens when we sin? Well, the wages of sin is death. I mean, it's separation from God. If he's a holy God and we're a sinful man, we're not gonna spend eternity with him. He's holy, so we're stuck, right? I mean, we have this great chasm in between. <laughs> but that's not the end. So how do we deal with our separation from God? Because we all know it's there. Inside every person, there's a God-shaped hole. And so how do we try to fill that hole? Well, a lot of people do it by money. All right, if I could just have enough money, it'll solve all my problems. Maybe you've been there. Man, if we just had more money, we, we, everything would be fine. But is it? I mean, when you get more money, do all your problems go away? Have you ever heard anybody go, I've got enough money now. No more problems. I'm all good. No, right? More money, more problems, right? It's just the way it is. But that's the way we think, right? Oh, I'll get money. My career, I get a raise, I get a better job, that's it. I'm gonna keep climbing this ladder, keep climbing, and I want you to be successful, I want you to do great your job, but it won't ever satisfy that God-shaped hole. Hey, me, we become all about me and what pleasure there is. We try to fill that and we go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and it never satisfies. All these things over here, maybe even church. And church is great, praise God, I love church, right? You know, But church doesn't save you. It doesn't save you, there comes a personal relationship with God or even good deeds. Good deeds don't save you. There's a lot of people who aren't believers who do good things. 
You know, but we try, we think somehow God, maybe our good will outweigh our bad, and God's going, you're never going to be good enough. I mean, Billy Graham didn't think he was good enough, you know. Mother Teresa didn't think she was good enough. They needed a Savior. We need a Savior, right? So what can be done about our separation from God? Jesus. And this is good news right here. Jesus. God bridged our separation through his son, Jesus. Why Jesus? Well, being fully man, Jesus served as our representative. And paying for our sin and being fully God, Jesus' payment was of infinite worth. For God so loved the world, most famous verse in the Bible. And he gave his one and only son. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How can we cross that bridge that God has provided? Genuine faith. We must put our faith in Jesus, the Savior and King. Only Jesus can restore that relationship with God. And I love this verse over here, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you've been saved. Through faith, this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest no man should boast. It's a free gift for us. It's a free gift for you. So what is genuine faith? Genuine faith is a whole person's response to God's grace, to God's good news. With our mind, our heart, our will, all those things we just read. Love the Lord your God. Have a relationship with him. Not religion where you get check marks, but genuine faith genuine faith in him. So if you're talking with somebody, or maybe you, you know, you just kind of go, well, where are you now? And just go, maybe I'm a one. I'm not ready to put my faith, my mind, my heart, my will in Jesus, because maybe there's fear. Maybe there's worry. I, I don't know. Or maybe two, hey, I'm ready to put my faith, my mind, my heart, and will in Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready to walk across that bridge. Or three, I've put my faith in Jesus, but I need to take next steps to grow. I'm not really growing in my faith. I need to grow. I need to grow. Or I'm a growing Christ follower. I'm a growing Christ follower. And if you're sitting down talking with somebody and they go, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready. I want that relationship with God. I mean, I love baptism. I just love seeing the life change there. Then you go, well, hey, let's pray this prayer together. And here's a prayer. And you can pray with them. You can have them read this. You can encourage them. Maybe it's your own child. And maybe it's your best friend, and you're sitting at Starbucks, and you go, hey, listen, maybe you just want to read this, you know? And maybe it's at Thanksgiving, and you have extended family, and God keeps putting them on your heart and your mind. You're like, man, they're far from God, and I see what's happening in their life, and, and I just pray they would know. Now you have a tool, you have a resource. You go, hey, look, let's look at this together. Pray this prayer now. And then notice, that's not the end of the story. Right? When we accept Christ, God doesn't just take us home to heaven. God says, I want you to share. I want you to live. So what do I do now? Start attending church. Read the gospel of Mark. Learn and apply it in your life. And then plan on being baptized. Attend a baptism class. You give a tool, a resource to say, hey, God's got a plan or purpose for you. This is good news. I want to encourage you, church, you know, hang on to this. Because as you start to pray, God use me. God's going to open some doors. And it's an incredible opportunity for you to share that. Notice this. The second story you share is your story. You share God's story, God's good news, and then share your story. Your story. See, as a Christian, you have a story of your personal relationship with God. Every one of us has a story. And every one of us is unique. Isn't that awesome? And God saved you. God created you. Out of the 7.4 billion people in the world, there's nobody exactly like you. You are unique. You are special. And God has a plan to restore and redeem you. And it's your story. It's your story. 
Now, there's three parts to your story. This is your testimony. And the first is this, my life before I met Christ. Now, sometimes we go, well, I don't really have a good story. You know, I wasn't on death row, and then I gave my life to Christ, and then I was pardoned, and now I hear, you know, those are cool stories, right? I didn't, you know, shoot somebody or something, then God redeemed me, and I mean, we go, wow, that was, those are amazing stories. But you have a story, and if your story is, I grew up in a Christian home, and my parents took me to church, and I gave my life to Christ, be thankful that you don't have to go through all that, right? I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to be in prison, okay? You know? I mean, be thankful that you have this story, but there comes a story for all of us. What was your life like before Christ? I remember when I was eight years old, and I'd grown up going to church. I have incredible parents. I love my parents. I'm so thankful that they took me to church. And even in middle school, I was like, oh, I don't want to go to church. They're like, we're going to church. You want to live here? We go to church. Like, oh, I like living here. It's a good place, you know. So and I like church. And then I started liking church because then I got friends, you know, and it was a community. But I remember when I was eight and we went to the store and my mom was like, I was like, can I get some gum? And she's like, no. And so then when she turned her head, I just kind of reached over and I grabbed some. And at eight years old, I remember going home and I thought, oh, I got away with it. It's awesome. You know, this is so cool. And then I got into my room and I started to unwrap it and I broke down. I was like, oh, that's wrong. What have I done? I couldn't even chew it. And I knew in my little eight-year-old brain right there that that was wrong. I had sinned. I had blown it. And it wasn't even like I felt bad with my parents because I had kind of gotten away with it, but I, God knew. Right there, I knew God knew. And I was like, okay, God, I got to get things right with you. This is wrong. So I went and told my parents. I was like, I stole this gum. They made me go back to the store and give the gum back and pay for it. Good parenting right there because I've never stolen anything since, right? It's like, no way, consequences. But then I came home and I got on my knees and I said, God, I need you in my heart. Something's broken. That's not right. That's not the right thing. The next Sunday at church, you know, we used to have this invitation where you came down the aisles, right, to respond. And I remember running. I was just like, I want Jesus, I want Jesus. I was so excited. But you have a story. What was your story like when, when you met Christ? What was it like when you prayed and received? What was that joy like? And then so you tell them my life before, and then how I personally came to know Christ. Here's my story. Here's what God did in, in my life when I met him. When we did baptism at the Sea of Galilee, we were out there, and, and people were just sharing their story, a little bit of what Jesus had done and the way they met Jesus. I mean, people are cheering and clapping and everybody's crying. We're all emotional. We're just going, but everybody's unique. But you see how a sovereign God has a relationship for you, for you. And if God would redeem you, God's got a plan for other people too. And then you go this, my life now in Christ. What's God doing in your life now? And you tell them, look, I was afraid, and now I'm starting to have faith, you know? There was this, in my life, worry and anxiety, but, but you know, I'm not perfect yet, but man, God's restoring me. There is a joy in my marriage. There's a peace that's come. God is at work. What is God doing in your life now? And how are you growing? How are you growing? How are you maturing? A part of discipleship is sharing our faith. And maybe for you, you're starting to grow and go, you know what, I want to I talk about Jesus, I wanna talk about my faith. I've never done that before, but, but I need to. We need to talk in my marriage. I wanna to pray together with my spouse, or I wanna to talk to my kids about Christ, or I wanna talk with the people that God's put on my heart, the people around me, or I wanna go on a mission trip. I, I wanna somehow, God, be involved in what you want me to do. I wanna be growing in my relationship with you, Lord. When we were in Bethlehem, uh, we were talking with a guy there named Joseph. 
kind of cool. His name's Joseph. He lives in Bethlehem. But, but here he is, right, you know, uh, 2,000 years later. He, and Joseph grew up there, and his wife, and they grew up, you know, Muslim. But he's like, you know, we, we weren't religious or anything. It was just kind of who we are. It's like, you know, that's part of our kind of culture. And, and, and so we grew up there. And he goes, but there were, we were always fighting. He goes, it was hard, hard life. And, and he said, then my wife got really sick. And he said, there was an American missionary, a lady, who, who came on a mission trip. It was there in Bethlehem. And, and she happened to come by her house. Happened, right? God incident. And she said, can I pray for your wife? And she went in and prayed for my wife. And he said, I don't know how to describe it, but my wife got better. And my wife realized, wait a minute, there is one true God. And she started going to this Christian church down the street. And he goes, and I became more mad. And I was like angry. I was like, what is going on? But then I watched her life. I watched her life. You know people are watching your life? <laughs> you know, you're the only Bible some people may ever read. You know, they're watching you. He said, I just kept watching, and there was something different in her, something different in her, and I realized that. And he said, and then one day, this friend of mine, and I didn't even know he was a Christian, but he just came up to me, and he handed me a Bible. And he said, I took it home at night. I didn't really want people to know, you know, but I had a Bible in the house, but, but I started reading, started reading, and it was like God was speaking directly to me. He said, and then I got really sick, and I, I called out to that same God that my wife did. And I got healed. I got healed and I got on my knees and I said, you are the one true God. And I started going to that church and my wife and I were there, we're worshiping. He goes, oh, we take some persecution. There's some hard things that we faced. He said, but all four of my kids are walking with Jesus. All four of my kids love the Lord. He goes, there's a joy in my life and a peace in my life that people see and they're saying, there's something different about you. And I'm like, it's God, it's the Lord. And I just think how many people that we have the opportunity to share and to say, here's the good news. Here's what God's doing. God has a love for you. Look at this. God wants us to inform. God wants us to be intentional about informing the world of God's eternal story of love today. And if we would just start to think about that, we don't have to wear a phylactery on our head, praise the Lord. We, we can have scripture. We can be praying. We can be saying, hey, God, use me. God, use me. Let me make a difference today for your glory. You know, after Jesus was crucified on that cross, his disciples were scared to death. I mean, you can imagine these 12 disciples that Jesus said, come follow me, and they are scared. They're thinking, oh no, the Romans are gonna arrest us. We're gonna be crucified, we're gonna be killed. But what happened? Before Jesus ascends into heaven, he says the Holy Spirit will come. And 50 days after Jesus was crucified, he, and after he was resurrected, those disciples were gathered together in a locked room and the Holy Spirit came and filled them. And those disciples, these fishermen, these ordinary guys who've been walking with Jesus for three years, they all of a sudden became bold and they went out there in Jerusalem and Peter stands up on the southern steps in front of everybody, all this huge crowd there of people. And he says, hey guys, listen, this Jesus whom you crucified, he is alive. He is the savior of the world. He has a plan for you. What you've been looking for in religion, what you've been looking for in money, what you've been looking for in your career, it doesn't satisfy only Jesus. And on that day, 3,000 people give their life to Christ. And the early church begins to take off. And you go to Acts 4 and 5, there's 5,000 people. Acts 6 and 7 and 8, there's 15,000, 20,000 people. All of a sudden, all these people giving their lives to Christ. Then a the guy comes along named Paul 
who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And Jesus captures his heart on the road to Damascus. And Paul goes, I want to go and tell people. He was a tent maker. He made tents. He made enough money to go on mission trips. And he's telling people. And all of a sudden, you see the whole New Testament, these churches springing up all over, lives being changed, redeemed and restored. And now the generations have come to us. And think about this. Somebody was bold enough to tell you. Somebody was loved you enough to say, I want you to know the good news. I want you to know about a God who wants a personal relationship with you. And maybe it was your mom or your dad. Or maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a pastor. Or maybe it was a roommate. But they said, I care enough about you. And they told you, or they invited you to church. And you're here today. And you go, my life has been forever changed by the grace of God. My eternity is secure in heaven with God because Jesus paid it all. And somebody told me, oh God, let me tell somebody else. God, use me in my home, in my family, in my community. God, I'm yours. And I don't have all the answers, and I'm not perfect. But the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that filled those disciples back then is the same Holy Spirit in you. And when God prompts your heart, you just share. When God prompts your heart, you love. When God prompts your heart, you bless. And you go, God, use me. You changed my life, and I want others to know. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but I know Jesus is here. Maybe a day's a day of salvation. You go, you know what? I thought it was just about going to church. And now I see this and I realize, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you to move from my head to my heart. Jesus, come in, redeem me, restore me, forgive my sins. And maybe today you're here and, and you go, you know, it's time for me to start telling my, my kids, my family, my friends about Jesus. I'll talk about sports all day long. I'll talk about politics all day long. I'll, I'll talk about school all day long. But, but let me be intentional, God. Let me talk about things that are going to last, too, that matter, too. So, Father, here we are, your disciples today. And, God, what could you do through us? And, God, I pray that we would be bold in our day and our generation People have been bold, God. People have put their lives on the line. People have died for their faith. And, and God, we are so blessed. We have so much. But God, don't let that become our God and, and not you. Let us be intentional to live our lives for your glory, to invest in the things that matter. Thank you for Jesus and the hope that we have in Christ. Let us live for Jesus, whose name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app or follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. See you next time.